On this week's Nesson Patriots podcast, we break down the Patriots' overtime loss to the Dallas Cowboys and answer the important question, can this Patriots team still make the playoffs? Hello and welcome to the Nesson Patriots podcast. My name is Zach Cox here, as always, with my fellow Patriots beat writer, Dakota Randall. Dakota, before we get into this uh, Patriots overtime loss to the Dallas Cowboys, how are you? How are you doing today? Uh, I'm, I'm doing good. It's been a, uh, a kind of a wild stretch for me. I was out on the West Coast for a bit. Uh, that was great, exhausting, uh, but glad to be back home and sort of get back to normal. And uh, yeah, obviously a lot to talk about. Yeah, happy you made it back to New England in one piece. Uh, not sure the same can be said uh, about the Patriots' uh, playoff chances after this game. But we'll, we'll get much further into that as this podcast goes along. But the Patriots hosted the Dallas Cowboys this past weekend on Sunday in a crazy game. One of the, I would say this has to be a a game of the year candidate, uh, at at least among the games that the Patriots have played. This was, uh, I believe our our colleague, Mike Cole wrote a, uh, a piece about the win probability swings late in this game. It was up and down and up and down. It it looked like the Patriots had lost. Then it looked like the Patriots had won. And then obviously the Patriots in the end did lose. They lost uh, 35 to 29 to the Cowboys that improved the Cowboys to five and one on the season. They are creeping back toward actually looking legitimate and not being the, uh, the typical kind of fraudulent Cowboys that we've seen in recent years. And then the Patriots two and four really tough start to the, to the season. Oh, and four at home for the first time since 1993, that was Drew Bledsoe's rookie season, uh, which just kind of shows how long ago, uh, how long ago it's been since the Patriots were in their current situation. Uh, so we'll get right into our, uh, our segments here because this was a loss. Uh, we'll start with one thing that we did not like from the Patriots uh, in this game. Dakota, I'll let you go first. What did you not like from the Pats in this one? Yeah, Zach, I mean, for me, I mean, there was a lot that I didn't like. Uh, and a lot of it was a continuation uh, of stuff we've sort of been talking about. But for me, it just more or, or continued lack of production from the new weapons. Uh, I mean, Kendrick Bourne obviously had the, the 75 yard touchdown, but that was it. That, that was his only catch of the game. I believe Nelson Aguilar had that big drop in overtime. Uh, depending on the camera angle you look at, you can make the argument that he, he had a chance to go all the way, or at least definitely get into, into field goal range. And then John o. Smith just continues to not do much of anything really just kind of using a lot of blocking situations, but just not, the, uh, the weapon in the passing game that the Patriots thought they were getting, Hunter Henry is doing all right. Uh, but I just think if the Patriots are going to go anywhere this season, uh, obviously they got to shore things up on defense. Mac Jones will have to continue to elevate his play as the year goes on, and the offensive line will have to get better. But without those new weapons that they spend so much money on stepping up and, 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 and really sort of carrying their weight in the passing game, it's not – I just don't think they're going to be able to score enough points. And if you look at, at, the, at the stats this season – I mean, Jacoby Myers right now has 36 receptions. That is more than Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne combined, who have 35 combined. And I, I know we both like Jacoby Myers. He's a good player. But Nelson Aguilar is being paid a lot of money to be a, a big-time weapon in this offense. And Kendrick Bourne has the athleticism uh, and, you know, the contract as well uh, to certainly do more than he's done. And it's really just sort of been Jacoby Myers and Hunter Henry and a little bit of the other guys at this point. John Smith only has 16 catches on the season. For 124 yards, that's 7.8 yards per reception. And for a guy who going into the season, we thought, you know, a lot of shallow crossers and runs after the catch should pick up big gains. Um, 
even use him in the running game a little bit potentially. Uh, just really thought there'd be a lot of chunk plays to him. That just hasn't materialized. Hunter Henry, you know, we there's definitely been some good things. But again, just in this game, the Patriots needed more from the, their offensive weapons that they signed in the offseason. You got their touchdown from Bourne. You did get a touchdown from Hunter Henry, but it just there wasn't enough throughout the game. And it just it continues to be a problem, in my opinion. Yeah, if you if you look deep into to some of the the real nerd stats on this, uh, there's a stat called DYAR uh, from Football Outsiders, which is kind of similar to what war would be in baseball. Uh, and among uh, among tight ends who have, who have at least 12 targets this season, Johnny Smith dead last in the NFL in DYAR. I think he's been a pretty big disappointment so far. Uh, and, and yeah, you're continuing to see just how reliant this Patriots offense is on Jacoby Myers. It seemed like every clutch completion in this game went to Myers. Obviously, Hunter Henry had the touchdown early in the game. That was a great throw by, by Mac Jones, a great play by Henry. And then you had the, uh, the long bomb to Bourne late in the game. But it, it really is very reliant uh, on, on that one player so far. And something that, that struck me about this offense in this game, just the, the game management of it was, was strange to me. Uh, the Patriots came out in what was basically a brand new look early in the game. Uh, Bill Belichick called it the big people the other day. So I'm going to be referring to it as the big people package, which I think is hilarious. But it was, it was two tight ends. It was both of those Patriots tight ends. It was a running back, either Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson. It was a fullback. And it was Nikhil Harry, who's the Patriots' biggest wide receiver. And in those sets, he was essentially just used as a blocker. So uh, this was a, a look we hadn't seen from the Patriots at all this season. They had done some, some bigger jumbo personnel, but we hadn't seen that specific package. And it was incredibly successful. The Patriots used it very frequently on their first two offensive possessions and just blitzed right down the field. Scored a touchdown in their first possession. Scored a touchdown in their second possession. On their third possession, they mixed in some uh, some 21 two running back personnel. Uh, they should have scored a touchdown on that third possession. Uh, Jacoby Myers had one called back for, for an offensive hold. Uh, then Mac Jones was hit for a strip sack and the whole game just kind of changed. Uh, Josh McDaniels really abandoned that package and, and didn't use it much at all until the second half. He sprinkled it back in during one drive in the second half. And I think not coincidentally, the Patriots ended up staging a long touchdown drive uh, using some of those plays w- with a couple big gains uh, from Damian Harris in there. It, it was, it was just odd. It seemed like you're kind of going away with what was working, going away from what was working for you uh, for no real reason. It, it was also a, a little strange that when Bill Belichick was asked about this the following day, he basically said the Patriots ran out of plays. He, he said that they basically that they didn't intend for that to be a, a full game solution. And, with a special package like that, you only put in a certain number of plays and the Patriots apparently ran out of those plays and, and then went back to some more traditional 11 personnel type stuff that, that really just didn't work for them. This offense didn't move at all, essentially, for, for four or five possessions in the middle of the game. And that really changed things because that allowed uh, the Cowboys to, to kind of climb back into things. And, and that comment from Belichick too, just it struck me as another unpatriot like thing in, in really a season full of them. Uh, I feel like Patriots fans will kind of mock and laugh at other teams when they say, Oh, well, yeah, well, they start, they start strong when, when they've got the script, when, when they have those first two, three drives mapped out. But after that, like, that's when you just, that's when you figure out what a real team is. Once you don't have that script, 
it seems like that's what happened to the Patriots in this game because once they they ran out of those plays for that special package, then they they really just couldn't get anything going. And uh, I, I don't know. There are some good things to take away from from this Patriots offense. I think we'll, we'll get into those a little bit later. But yeah, it's it seemed like a, a missed opportunity for them for sure. Um, for yeah, one quick my, point. Zach, yes. One quick point to make on that. Uh, I, you know, one of the interesting things about the package you're talking about both the way they use it at the beginning the beginning of the game and later on in the game after that middle middle period you're discussing is really part of it is you're, you're giving the keys to Mac Jones you're, you're letting him sort of really the, the the game is in his hands at that point and whenever they were in that package and sort of giving him the control uh, and letting him you know air it out for a lack of a better phrase uh, they were success with it and so a lot of people that have been making this claim like hey it's time to take the training wheels off uh, it, it's time to stop being so conservative. Let Matt cook. As some people are, are saying, uh, he showed it when they did run those packages and they had some success with it. And then in the middle, they reverted back to this really conservative, uh, not really. And part of that might just be managing around the offensive line. Uh, but I think, you know, with those packages you were talking about, Mac Jones proved that he is capable of, of carrying this offense when asked to do it. Yeah. Patriots went four straight drives without a first down uh, in this game and then picked up one first down on the, the fifth drive after that. So yeah, really basically no offensive movement for, from the Patriots from early in the second quarter through late in the third quarter. And, and I think that was a, a really pivotal time in the game uh, because my, the thing that I didn't like from, from the Patriots in this game or one of the many, I guess you could say uh, with the way that this game turned out, just the way the defense was not able to, to finish yet again. It's really been the story in almost every Patriots loss this season, you, you can kind of go back and look at a moment where the Patriots defense needed to get a stop it and they just couldn't get it. Uh, you saw it back in, in week one after the Damian Harris fumble, uh, there were still four, four and a half minutes left in that game. If the Patriots had gotten a quick stop against the Dolphins, could have gotten another shot offensively. They weren't able to do it. You look in week three against the Saints, uh, they lost that game by 15, but that was after the, the Saints had like an eight minute drive to basically put the game away and score the game winning touchdown with a couple of minutes left, get a stop there, give your offense another chance. Um, and I, I don't think it was as much of a, a problem in the, um, in the Tampa Bay game. I, I think that was the, the Patriots defenses, one of their best performances of the season. But then uh, again, in this game, it's, you have a chance to, to stop the Cowboys at the end of regulation they go down and kick a field goal. You have a chance to stop the Cowboys in overtime. They drive 80 yards, basically like it was nothing and, and score the, the game winning touchdown. And the, obviously the Patriots gave up a ton of yards in this game. They gave up more yards in this game than they had in any game during Bill Belichick's tenure, regular season or postseason by a pretty significant margin. They gave, they gave up 567 in this game. The previous record was 538. Uh, back in the Eagles Super Bowl, the second Eagles Super Bowl, uh, also the most passing yards they've allowed in a game. That doesn't really matter to me. I don't really care about a team giving up a ton of yards if if the defense is able to come through in those clutch situations. And that's really what the Patriots were doing for long stretches of this game, really until you, you got to the late third, fourth quarter. Uh, they the, the Cowboys were one for four on their first four red zone trips. Uh, you saw there, there was an interception in the end zone. There was that four play goal line stand that ended with a fumble in the end zone. Um, the, there was also a, a Jonathan Jones pass breakup in the end zone that forced a field goal attempt. The Patriots were, were making the plays that they needed to make early in this game. 
that goes back to why I think that offensive stagnation period was, was such an issue because once you got down late, I think they, the fatigue set in and some of the, just the, the talent disparity between them and the Cowboys set in by the end of the game, the Patriots had played 89 defensive plays uh, and they just looked kind of gassed out there. Now, some of that obviously can be blamed on the offense, not having longer drives and, and, and on some of the decision-making, especially on fourth down where you could have said, Hey, let's, let's try to get this right now and, and not give the ball right back to the Cowboys offense. But you just, there's not much room for error for this team. And the defense needs to make these make needs to make these stops when they have the chance to. Yeah. And a, a couple of things that really stood out to me um, in that regard where, you know, I think one of my issues with this Patriots defense is like, and, and, and it ties into not being able to get the stops when they need them is not making a lot of plays. Now uh, there were some in this game, there was the interception from Dak Prescott in the end zone. And then there was the forced fumble. Now those are great and everything, but does that mean they've turned a corner? I'm not sure because I was just, just looking at it. Uh, the Patriots forced 15 fumbles back in 2019 and last season, they only forced five, which was the fewest in the NFL. And this season going into Sunday's game, they were tied with the Jacksonville Jaguars for having forced the fewest fumbles in the NFL with zero. So the one that Juwan Bentley forced uh, on Dak Prescott at the goal line was the first forced fumble of the season. So it's great to see, but as you're saying at the end of the games, they just haven't been able to make these big plays. The job, I believe it was Jonathan Jones in week one on Tua got that interception. I put that more on Tua. That was just a really bad play, even though Jones did, did, you know, make a good play on the sidelines, but whether it's not being able to come up with a big play like that, or just not generating any pass rush, we've seen it with outside of Matt Judon, there just hasn't been a lot of pass rush this season. I don't think Dak Prescott was sacked once uh, in this game. No. And zero so sacks just, in 51 dropbacks. Yeah. And I, so, I believe five, five quarterback hits, four quarterback hits. Yeah. He, he, he basically was, was able to stand there and do whatever he wanted for a lot of this game. Right. And I just think, listen, if you're not generating pass rush, if you're not making a lot of, you know, sort of athletic physical plays to generate turnovers, um, you know, they did, they Patriots do get their interceptions. I'll give them that, but they're not getting pass rushes. They're not really forcing fumbles too often. And, you know, a lot of times in years past, when you look at big defensive stops that they made at ends of games, sometimes it was just turning the, you know, forcing it over on downs, but a lot of times it was a big turnover in a big spot that they always came up with because they had a lot of talent and a lot of playmakers on defense. And I'm just not sure they really have those right now. And it shows up at the end of the games, but also to your point, I think a lot of it just has to do with their gassed at the end. Um, I think that was definitely a factor. The, the pass rush point is a good point. I think the, the, the fatigue factor has been mentioned more with the secondary uh, just because that I, I guess is kind of a more high profile storyline with, with no Stefan Gilmore in there. And I think that was absolutely an issue in this game as well. You basically had JC Jackson and, and Jalen Mills both playing essentially every snap of this game, just about. And I think Jackson held up reasonably well, but it was, it was clear that that Mills that really kind of struggled late in this game. Uh, he allowed two touchdowns. He allowed that big third and 25 or third and 20, the 24 yard completion on third and 25 that, that set up that game tying field goal. But as you mentioned, the pass rush just was basically non-existent in that second half, which it's a bad pairing when you got a tired secondary and a, a front that's, that's not generating any pressure. You're, you're not going to win many games that way. Uh, we'll, we'll switch course now. We'll go to the things that we liked from the Patriots in this game because, I mean, obviously no more moral victories really for this team, but there are positives to take out from nearly beating 
what a team that a Cowboys team that looks like one of the better teams in the NFC right now. Uh, Dak, what'd you like from the Patriots in this game? Yeah, I really liked the way that Damian Harris ran the ball um, and even Ramondre Stevenson, uh, both running the ball and in uh, receiving it out of the backfield. Harris had 18 carries for 101 yards and a touchdown. Stevenson had five for 23 and a score. Uh, he also had three receptions for 39 yards. Um, you know, I don't really, I don't have too in-depth of a take on it. I just thought this was the really the first time, one of the, one of the only times this season that we've seen uh, a running back or running a backfield that we thought had so much promise and ability going into the season. This is the first time we really saw, uh, you know, saw it sort of live up to that potential. Damian Harris was excellent. He ran hard, uh, just showed why he can be such a good running back. And I thought Ramondre Stevenson, unlike last week, where you could tell he was, at least to me, it looked like he was nervous about fumbling the ball. He was really bear hugging it when he was running. And I think Ivan Fears talked about, said the same kind of thing during the week. Uh, looked like he ran with a lot more confidence in this game. Um, I'm sort of looking for the same thing this weekend against the Jets. I think uh, I honestly, mostly because everybody on my fantasy team uh, is on a bye. I, I had, to, I needed to add a running back somewhere and I had it for Montre Stevenson on a flyer because maybe he could break one off. I, I don't, I'm not confident in it, but I, I, there's momentum there. So maybe catch lightning in a bottle. Um, but I just like the way both those guys ran in this game. And um, curious to see if Brandon Bolden's always going to be the third running back all season. It's kind of looking that way, but at some point I would like to see if maybe JJ Taylor gets worked in, uh, in the old James White role. But uh, I, you know, for Stevenson and Harris, I liked what they did in this game. I honestly don't hate the, uh, the Stevenson play from a fantasy perspective. He got, he got the short yardage touchdown this week. Should have had one last week. Uh, got called back for, for an illegal shift. So yeah, you're, you're seeing some momentum from him. Uh, you're seeing from some momentum from this Patriots running game as a whole, which it, it really kind of hit that rock bottom in, in the Saints game and in the Bucks game. They just couldn't do anything whatsoever on the ground. And then last week against the Texans definitely saw a more productive performance. And then this week it was probably Damian Harris's best game of the season. Uh, over 100 yards, averaged something, I think it was like 4.6 yards per carry. He was productive again. You were seeing those long chunk plays that you just didn't see uh, for a long stretch there. And, and again, this is what we expected from the Patriots offense coming into the season. Uh, we knew they were going to need to run the ball well, uh, and they've definitely been back to doing that in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the thing that I like from this game also comes from the Patriots offense. I liked Mac Jones in this game. I don't think, I don't know if I even totally realized it as the game was going on. Uh, because he only threw 21 passes. It was his fewest of the season. It was sort of a, a nondescript performance from him uh, on the face, on the surface. But if, if you look a little bit deeper, both at the, the kind of he, – he's been really – he's been getting a lot of praise for the, the, both the mental and the physical toughness that he showed in this game, uh, which kind of sounds like a tired, played-out storyline at this point because everybody's always raving about Mac Jones' mental toughness. But in this game – to throw that pick six late in the game, which should have been a, a game losing pick six. And then to come back, come back and throw a 75 yard touchdown one play later, targeting the same receiver against the same cornerback that you had just thrown the pick six to. I thought that sh that said a lot about him. Uh, and then even earlier in the game, he just got absolutely buried by, uh, by Randy Gregory uh, coming off the edge there. He's taken some hard hits this season. I think that was probably the hardest. He just got basically broken in half. Uh, and then to, to one, stay in the game, and to two, the, obviously the, the Patriots offense looked a little out of sorts um, for a long stretch after that play, but I don't think that was because anything that Mac Jones himself was doing. I, I didn't see him looking 
all kind of gun shy and hesitant after that. So it's clear that this is a tough kid. This is a guy that can, that can stay in and, and kind of take the punishment, both, both physical and mental that, that a rookie quarterback is going to go through. Uh, and I also like the way that he threw deep in this game. He, he'd been four of 19 on passes of more than 20 yards coming into this game. I know that was a, a big talking point early in the season, uh, opened it up against the saints in that game, went something like one for 12 on deep passes. Um, but in this game, this was by far his best performance on those downfield throws four for four. He had the, the touchdown to Henry, the touchdown to Bourne, uh, had one to uh, a 27 yarder to Nelson Aguilar and this nice kind of seam r- or a, a wheel route down the seam by Ramondre Stevenson uh, early in the game. So yeah, definitely some, some more positive strides from Mac Jones in this game. Certainly. Yeah, definitely. Um, I particularly like that, uh, that, that play to Stevenson that you were talking about yeah. just a couple of quick points on Mac Jones. Um, I, he was the, and it, this depends on how much, how much weight you put on pro football focus, but uh, he was the top graded Patriots player in this game that I believe. And he was actually the second highest graded player or second highest graded quarterback uh, of all quarterbacks through Sunday. I don't know um, if Josh Allen or uh, Brian Tannehill surpassed him last night. I'm not sure, but either way, by the end of Sunday, he was the second highest graded quarterback trailing only Carson Wentz. Again, we, we can kind of go back and forth about the way PFF grades. I, I look at that game and think Dak Prescott was better than Mac Jones, but that's, that's just yeah. me. Uh, but regardless, he's, he's, he's kind of grading out well by the people who look, um, who sort of look for the finer, the finer stuff of the game. And, and to people just watching it, he clearly shows a lot of toughness and ability. And I also like how early in the season, one of those storylines we were going on and on about was the fact that he wasn't throwing the ball over the goal line. Now he's throwing touchdowns by passing the ball over the goal line in three consecutive weeks. Uh, so that issue appears to have resol- resolved itself. Uh, so, yeah, I would agree. Uh, I was impressed with Mac Jones in this game, too. continued positive steps. uh, I think you can say, I I think he's been certainly one of the Patriots more impressive players this season. Uh, Let's move on now from this game to just the future for the Patriots, the immediate future. I think this was a potentially devastating loss for the Patriots. I I don't want to oversell it or overplay it, but as we talked about last week, if the Patriots had won this game, you got to assume that they're going to beat the jets this week then you're looking at a team that's that's four and three going into this this really pivotal stretch. And I, I think that sets themselves up pretty well from a playoff perspective. Now they're two and four. Even if they beat the Jets, they're still below 500 uh, coming into, into that game against the Chargers in a couple of weeks. And I sort of, uh, I mapped it out a little bit the other day for, for a piece I'm writing later this week. If you look at the Patriots, the, the, their remaining schedule and, and what they probably need to do to get into the playoffs. It's a little tough to predict because obviously we've never had a 17 game season. So you don't exactly know where that line is going to fall. Is it going to be 11 wins? Is it going to be 10 wins? Is it going to be nine wins? Just for, for argument's sake, say that it's 10 wins. And for argument's sake, say that the Patriots are going to beat the Jets. They're going to beat the Atlanta Falcons and they're going to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, the three worst teams remaining on their schedule not including Miami, but that Miami game is in Miami, which already always gives the Patriots problems. So I'm putting that in, in the other category. So you say Patriots need 10 wins. They win those three games. You look at the rest of their schedule. They basically need five wins out of the following games at chargers at Panthers home versus Browns home versus Tennessee, two games against Buffalo, one home, one away at Indianapolis. And that finale that I just mentioned, at Miami you need five wins 
out of those eight games, that means five and three to put yourself at 10 wins and give yourself a reasonable chance at making the playoffs. It's possible. I think the Patriots are, are going to be a better team in the second half of the season than they have been in the first half of the season, just because they've got so many pieces. I think they're going to start to come together, but we're getting to the point where you ask, when is it too late? And when is a, a second half turnaround just going to be, Oh, wow. Yeah. They, they won their last five games and then they finished eight, and nine. Like it, it's, it's getting to the point where, where that switch needs, needs to happen. They, they need to get away from the, Oh, we barely lost to a good team to, Oh, we can now consistently beat these good teams. Cause there are a lot of them still remaining on the schedule. Yeah. And, and it goes back to before the saints game, we talked a lot about the importance of winning that game because I think everybody had a bad feeling after the, the loss to the Dolphins. You looked at it and said, that's one you needed to win because now you're kind of fighting it for the next few weeks with, with the Bucks around the corner and everything. But when you got to the Saints game, you said, if you just win that game, you're 2-1, and one, you lose to the Bucks, you're 2-2, two and two. you win against the Texans, you're 3-2. and two. Whatever happened against the Cowboys, you got the Jets after. You could, you could talk yourself into them being around 500 and then taking off late in the season. Now it's just uphill climb constantly. And with the quality of the opponents coming up, I mean, again – we, when you kind of break down the schedule before the season, uh, when we did that, it looked like a lot of games the Patriots could win. But once the season starts, you see how other teams look. It changes. And, yeah, the Chargers, how, that's, that feels like it would be a huge upset win for the Patriots. I think an interesting game is Cleveland in a few weeks. We'll see how Baker Mayfield looks with that torn labrum. Uh, if he's able to go or if he's limited, that could be a huge plus for the Patriots. At Panthers is going to be tough. I'm certainly not picking the Patriots in either of those games against the Bills. I think they have a shot. It's a divisional game. They're always competitive. Um, I, the, the Patriots have had good success defending Josh Allen, except for the second game last year. Um, so I think those games, there are five winnable games in there, but I, I'm personally not at the point yet where I'm willing to pick um, or predict that the Patriots are going to win five of those eight. I don't know. Do you, do you, do you see, that, see it in there? Do you, are, there are, there, are there five games you look at and say, yeah, they got them? I mean – no, definitely not. I would not. If you're you're asking for a prediction right now, my prediction would be the Patriots are not going to be in the playoffs again. I do think they're going to be better second half of the season, and I don't think I don't think you're in a situation where you're writing them off right now, where it's okay, season's over, like start preparing for the draft and anything like that. I, I do think, uh, especially with the extra game, there is still time to sort of get this thing back together. But the the winnable games. The, the easily winnable games are running low, especially because this is not a team that's proven that they can play with, or they can prove they, they've proven that they can play with these good teams, haven't proven that they can beat these good teams. And it was a little, a little alarming just to, to close out here to see what's happened to the Texans in the last couple of weeks. Patriots had to come back from two touchdowns down to beat the Texans last week uh, on a, a last minute field goal. In their other two games in the last three weeks, Texans lost 40 to nothing to the Bills and they lost 31 to three to the Indianapolis Colts. It, I mean, maybe it was a, a just a kind of a flute game where, where the, the Texans happened to play better and the Patriots happened to play worse at the same time. But that doesn't that three game stretch doesn't really paint a, a great picture for where the Patriots are right now. Um, yeah. That'll yeah, and- do it. I think, oh, yes, well, finish, finish it up. Final thought, final thoughts from Jack. Oh, sorry, I just, I was going to say, uh, you kind of made the point where, again, we, we assume they're going to beat the Jets, but with how it looked against the Texans, uh, I'm not, you know, it's hard to just guarantee the Patriots yeah. any wins at this point. And I also think 
I, I was looking at the stats. I believe uh, of all the teams that have started two and four on the season, around not, I think it's nine percent have gone on to make the playoffs. And but I think I saw that five thirty eight still has the Patriots at twenty one percent chance of making the playoffs. So that's that's something. But just a real quick point I wanted to make. And you sort of alluded to it earlier, the no more moral victories thing and how the Patriots keep kind of coming out on the on the wrong end of these games against good teams. I just for me, it's beginning. It's getting frustrating how many games dating back to last season you look at and say, well, they were just sort of one win away or one play away. Or there was one sort of big excuse sort of baked into it that you said, all right, they should have won that game. But this thing went wrong. And but we can still sort of feel good about it. I mean, go back to last last season. The, the Seattle Seahawks game, you look at it and said, well, yep. they got stops on the goal line. You know, all right. Uh, against the Denver Broncos, there was sort of the baked in excuse of it was Cam Newton coming back from COVID. They just didn't look sharp, whatever. It, it is what it is. Against the Buffalo Bills. Only lost Bills. that game by six, too. Yeah. Right. And Buffalo Bills, if, if Cam Newton doesn't fumble at the end, but you're like, all right, they almost beat a good team. And then this season, it's been the Damon Harris fumble against the Dolphins. It's been the fourth down or Nick Folk decision against the Buccaneers. And in this game, a myriad of things that went wrong. And it's just getting to the point where, you know, the Patriots are three and seven uh, in their last um, or since in the post Tom Brady era, they're three and seven in one score games. And actually going back into Tom Brady's last season over the final five games, they were one and three in one score games. So at some point uh, we just have to sort of acknowledge that they're no longer the team uh, that sort of makes the plays necessary to win these sort of games, uh, you know, against average teams, let alone great ones. Yeah. I mean, you look back at basically ever since Tom Brady left, and try to find those clear, like, resounding victories over good teams, you can't really find them. It's basically probably the closest is that that Ravens game last year. Uh, yeah. That was an upset. That I think that was a very quality win for the Patriots, but everything else has been a little – you got to win it at the very end or you're beating up on a team that is worse than you. So, yeah, something needs to change for, for this Patriots team. Certainly over these next couple of weeks if they want to extend this season – beyond the regular season, but that will do it for this week's Nesson Patriots podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach Cox Nesson. You can follow Dakota at Dak Randall Nesson. Uh, you can follow along with all of our Patriots coverage on Nesson.com. And you can tune into the Nesson pregame chat where we, we will be taking a deeper look into this weekend's Patriots Jets matchup. That will be up Sunday morning before the Patriots Jets 1 p.m. kickoff at Gillette Stadium. Talk to you guys next week.